Why do freight rates vary so much? On this episode of Driven Too Far, we're breaking down how freight rates are determined in the trucking industry. Hello, I'm Andrew Winkler, and this is Driven Too Far, the truth about trucking, a podcast that helps over-the-road truck drivers balance career and family. Today on the podcast, we're talking about freight rates and where do they come from. There's essentially three key components that goes into just about every freight rate. Uh, The first is what we call line haul, and that's point A to point B. You know, how much are we going to charge to move that vehicle uh, across the state, across the United States, whatever that looks like. The second component is what we call accessorial fees. Those are your extra fees. So one of the things we're trying to do uh, when we establish freight rates is make sure that the company and the driver gets paid for all the hard work they do. And that's where the accessorial fees come in. So those are the extra things. If you think about maybe there's loading or unloading, uh, maybe there was extra stops uh, on the load itself. Uh, For flatbed guys, maybe you had to throw a tarp or something like that. So those are called accessorial fees. And the third component is the fuel surcharge component to make sure that we cover all of our fuel costs. When we go to establish a freight rate, let's say a customer's come in and they've asked us to supply a rate for a certain lane uh, or something like that, one of the first things we have to consider is the economic dynamics of what's going on in that particular freight lane. So wouldn't it be nice if everything across the United States just paid a flat five bucks a mile no matter where you go? Unfortunately, that's not the case. So that's when you have to really understand the difference in freight lanes and the difference with the supply and the demand of the trucks in that particular region or area. If you think back to your high school economics class, you probably remember supply and demand. And one of the things that happens is when you have an oversupply of something, uh, say in this case, we have an oversupply of trucks in a certain area of the country, certain city or region, When we have too many trucks available, it drives the price down. And on the flip side of that, when we get to a place where there's not enough trucks to cover all the freight in that particular area, that can drive the price up. The fuel costs are something we mentioned, and we're going to get into more detail here in just a minute on that. The next piece is when we put a freight rate together is we have to think about uh, the lane itself and geographically where is that particular load going. In other words, if you were going to send a truck into New York City, maybe Chicago, Los Angeles, or a highly congested area, you would probably want to charge more than you do if you send it to a very rural part of the country. And how about seasonality? What does that mean? Well, when you think about seasonality in the freight markets, there's a couple big ones that that I can think of that come to mind. Uh, If you happen to pull a dry van, Uh, We always talk about the fall and the big push for the retail stores. So Christmas is coming, the holidays are coming at the end of the year. And those big pushes start to happen in maybe September, October, where the stores want to increase their inventory. So a lot of times what you see is a bigger demand than normal during that particular season for dry van shippers. If you happen to pull a reefer, Uh, The one I can think about is the produce season, right? So certain times of the year in certain parts of the country, uh, reefers are in very high demand because the the produce demands that. We got to keep those temperatures cool, protect that produce. It's uh, extremely perishable, obviously. So those people that raise those crops are willing to pay a lot more because they know it's going to be a short-term demand for that that reefer truck. 
When we think about freight rates, there's really two different kinds. And the first is what we call a contract rate. What is a contract rate? So that would be, think of it as a long-term rate, a long-term agreement with a certain shipper. In other words, you're gonna go in or your salespeople from the carrier are gonna go in. And that's really probably your goal is you want to establish something that's gonna be there day after day or week after week for your, for your truck. So that's what you're looking for is volume and you're gonna work on submitting uh, those line haul rates, establish a fuel surcharge program, and make sure that you're covering any of the extra work that needs to be done with those accessorials. The contract rates typically are, like we said, they're long-term, but they're stable. So it's something your fleet can count on all year long, and that's really what we want to, to make sure. If we're looking out for our drivers, we wanna make sure that they, they have, have freight 12 months out of the year, and we don't see all the dips uh, th that we can see in the industry for sure. Now, what about spot rates? You've probably heard that term before, especially if you're an owner operator. So spot rates are really short-term rates or maybe one-off type rates. Uh, maybe it's good for just one load, one transaction. And typically when you work with a broker or a third party, that's usually what you're working with. Now that broker may have contract rates in place with the shipper or the customer, uh, but when they turn around and they hire a truck like you as an owner operator, uh, it's going to be one and done, right? They're just hiring you to move this one load and here's the rate for that. So the spot rates will also fluctuate in a heavy degree with the market and the supply and demand. I think most of us have probably been through this here recently. You, you're feeling a downward pressure on rates, especially the owner operators, because what's happened out there? Well, there's not a big demand for trucks right now. And in fact, we've talked about this before, but there's simply too many trucks in the industry right now. So the rates kind of crash. And the idea is that with low rates, it kind of pushes the weaker carriers back out uh, of the industry. And at some point, there's going to be a rebalancing happen there where we finally get a place where the amount of freight and the right amount of trucks and those rates will start to, to increase again. Now, if something happens uh, where all of a sudden we don't have enough trucks in the industry, uh, maybe we push too many, too many truckers out of the industry and all of a sudden there's not enough or we have a big boon in uh, freight demand for some reason. Sometimes a hurricane will come through and all of a sudden certain areas of the country you'll have a big demand for plywood and building materials and those kinds of things. Well, when that happens and there's not enough trucks, that's when rates can go up. And obviously that's uh, the way we like it as being part of the carrier. One of the phrases you might hear if you read any articles or, or listen to any other shows and stuff is talking about the pendulum swing. So it's a back and forth. Is it is it in the favor of the customer or is it in the favor of the, the carrier? Right now, the pendulum swing is in the favor of the, the customers. They kind of have control over rates. And in fact, this has been a time where they can put pressure back on the truck lines to even reduce rates. We certainly see that in the spot market, but we've also seen it on the contract side. And I can tell you from experience here uh, recently, we had a customer didn't necessarily come directly at us to push the rates back down, but what they like to do is say, okay, the pendulum's in our favor. Uh, it's time to put our, our freight out for bid, meaning they're gonna take all their traffic lanes and they're gonna invite all these carriers in to come rebid those prices. 
Well, when that happens, unfortunately, sometimes they'll do one round or multiple rounds. But what ends up happening is you get all these carriers getting super competitive and we start beating each other up for the rate. We want to make sure we have freight for our drivers to haul. So we want to be, I'm not going to say we, but what carriers do is they try to be the low guy to win the bid, so to speak. While it may be a short-term gain and you kind of, you have freight for your guys or your trucks, uh, long-term, that's a, that's a really tough, tough place to be in because ultimately a lot of times when that happens, it pushes the rates below what it costs the truck to actually operate and you end up losing money on some of those things. So like I said, we just went through that with a fairly large customer and they put everything out for rebid. We had had a lane that we serviced for seven or more years. Uh, did a dang good job with it as far as the service side of it and stuff like that. But by the time we got to the end of the second or third round on this bid, uh, we'd kind of asked where we stood and they said, well, you're ranked number 20 and there's a really good chance you're not going to retain this lane. So we had to make a conscious decision that we weren't going to keep lowering our rate uh, to a place where it didn't make sense for us to haul. So uh, unfortunately, some other carrier got it. But what what I think is interesting with that is they probably got it at a rate they're not going to be able to sustain very long. They bid it too cheap. So one of the things I would expect to happen this spring or this summer as rates start to recover and come back up, that carrier who just won this freight, they're probably going to regret it here in the next in the next few months. When that happens, there's a good chance they're going to go back to that customer and say, listen, we just can't we can't haul it for this anymore. Well, it's, so it kind of backfires on the customer, it kind of backfires on the carrier. So that's kind of the battle that goes on between um, the customers and the carriers uh, when it comes to freight rates. And that's why the long-term contract rates and the relationships you build with those shippers are so important because we don't want to get into those bidding wars and we don't want to put ourselves into a place where we win freight because we made it so cheap. Um, but the relationships, hopefully, at least for us, we try to chase a lot of small to mid-sized sh shippers where we can uh, develop those one-on-one -on -one relationships and it means something. The service means something and it's not just all price or rate driven. How does that, how do those freight rates impact you as a driver in your earnings? Now, most company drivers out there, if you're doing regional or OTR type freight, you're probably paid by the mile. And in most cases, you're gonna be protected. Um, from the, from the dip in the rates or the pricing between the customers because your carrier is most likely not going to make you take a reduction in pay uh, to keep hauling that freight. Now, on the other side of that is if you are paid on a percentage basis, whether you're a company guy or a lease operator or something like that, you are probably going to take a hit, and especially right now. We know that's going on. We've had a lot of phone calls from um, former owner operators or lease operators that were running on a percentage and um, they they're checking us out because we happen to pay even our lease operators on on a per mile basis so our wages and um, settlements have stayed steady for for our lease guys and our company guys that's a hard thing to swallow when you're a, an lp and and when you think about that that's essentially what is pushing trucks out of the industry remember i said when you have too many trucks uh, we get prices driven down and, and eventually we need the weaker carriers to kind of fail. That's what's happening right now. So it's that rebalancing act 
we're pushing probably the little guy out more than anything, the one, the, tr- the guy that owns one truck, two trucks, something like that, because he just doesn't have the deep pockets uh, that the larger carriers to do to kind of make it through the storm, so to speak, and, and come out on the other end. So they just end up closing up shop. And, and you know, by this spring, I'm going to say we're going to have a lot less trucks available in the market. And hopefully that's when we start to see the, the freight rates coming back up. One of the things you have to be cautious about as a driver, and if you're negotiating, maybe you're a small guy and you're a, a le- uh, an owner operator and you have just have a couple trucks and you've been fortunate enough to um, talk to a smaller shipper and they're willing to set you up on a contractual basis where you can submit, hey, this is my line haul rate, here's my fuel surcharge program, and here's my accessorials, and they're, they're going to continue to pay that, and it's not going to jump up and down with the market. One of the things you need to consider if you're setting up those deals with those customers is make sure you're you're thinking about downtime and some of the other things that happen to us in the trucking industry that you're putting enough rate in your bids uh, to cover that stuff. Sometimes we get so focused on just you know winning uh, winning the winning the freight so to speak that that we we just don't put enough money into it, but. When we talked about those three things, the, the line haul, the accessory, and the fuel surcharge program, I want, I want you to make sure you understand you have a right as a business owner to make margin or profit on each one of those items. So don't ever go in and bid something where you're just going to break even or think that all your profit needs to be in that line haul number that you submit to the customer. And then the accessorial fee, uh, maybe it just it breaks even, it just covers the expense for you or the fuel surge fuel surcharge that you don't have a right to to make a profit or margin on that. You absolutely do. And in fact, you should. That is the way you should be bidding those things to make sure you have enough margin in there to be profitable on down the road. Well, I said we talk about fuel surcharge. Uh, I, it's a confusing subject for a lot of drivers and, and spe- especially company guys. You've probably never really been exposed to it. If you've gone into a lease program or if you're an owner operator, uh, you surely know what it is or at least heard of it maybe it's not clear on exactly how it works but i want you to think of it as a cost recovery mechanism uh, for you as a small business so the idea behind a fuel surcharge program is to stabilize your price of fuel so no matter what happens out there with the fuel markets if all of a sudden something happens in the middle east and we get a spike in the cost of oil and diesel fuel goes up uh, you're okay, you're protected because you have a fuel surcharge program in place that as the retail price goes up, so does your, so does your pay. And that's what the fuel surcharge program will do is it's going to follow those spikes uh, to make sure you're protected. And at the end of the day, you're essentially going to pay the same per gallon for your fuel. Doesn't matter if it's two bucks a gallon or five bucks a gallon, your cost to buy that fuel is going to be the same. That's the idea behind it. One of the challenges um, when we think about working with brokers is, you know, we broke out the line haul, the assessor, and the fuel surcharge program. One of the tricks of the brokers is uh, they like to lump it all together, and they like to call it a flat rate. You know, here's what that load pays from A to B. And you say, what about fuel? What about stop pay on that? And they're like, oh, it's already in there. We just we put it all together. That's kind of dangerous because you really don't know how much of it they're putting in there. Are they really giving you everything they can or are they just doing that to disguise it, make it make you feel like that's a good number? 
one of the best practices you could probably do is actually ask the broker to break that out. So tell me what your line haul is, tell me what your accessorial is, and tell me what your fuel is on this, this load. Then you have a real chance if you log into some of the online uh, websites like truckstop.com or dat.com that help you understand the, the, the average freight rates in, in those lanes. Then you, then you have a better chance to know if that broker's really giving you a, a reasonable deal on, on that or if he's trying to hide something. I think one of the things that can happen, and not all brokers operate like this, obviously, but uh, they'll keep a percentage of that fuel surcharge, or maybe they'll just give you the line haul and the accessorial that that customer's paying you, and they'll keep the fuel surcharge for their profit. And then they'll just, that's why they kind of just uh, disguise it as an all-in rate. Um, and to be honest with you, a lot of drivers aren't equipped or, or had enough education to ask uh, for them to break that out. But I think that can be a real game changer for you if you start asking them for the details to make sure they're treating you fair. One of the other benefits of a fuel surcharge program, when you talk about uh, somebody like me that's a carrier, um, every year we sit down and we go through a budget process, right? So, you know, how much money are we going to uh, spend on purchasing trucks or trailers uh, what about raises for our staff and our drivers uh, what kind of revenue are we projecting for the year the the nice thing about a fuel surcharge program when you have that in place is it helps with the whole budgeting process because i don't have to guess what fuel is going to be doing six months from now i know because we have a fuel surcharge program in place that our fuel costs are going to be stable 12 months out of the year uh, not that they won't fluctuate on the retail side of stuff, but again, as the retail price goes up, I get more money from the customer from that fuel surcharge program, and, and my fuel cost was uh, stable and steady. So it really helps us from a budgeting perspective. We're not guessing so much on what's going to happen with fuel and how much is fuel going to cost us for the year. If you picked up on uh, something in there, you know, when we talk about negotiating rates with the customer and stuff, it's pretty tricky, right? And, and the more carriers are bidding on certain freight, the worse it gets. But you have to, as a business owner, you have to find the balance. So where's the, what, what is the right number to submit for a freight rate? You know, I want to make money, but at the same time, I want to make sure that I'm competitive enough that I get the freight from the customer. So that's a real challenge, and it, it just takes some time. you got to work with it and, and some experience and stuff. But that's when you go to use those websites we talked about, truckstop.com, that can help you. Uh, they pull data in from the industry, so they really understand all the thousands and thousands of freight lanes across the U.S. and what the average rates are. And they'll usually have some history to it, so you can see what the freight rate's been on that particular lane for the last 12 months and also within the last three working days or something like that. So those are, those are really valuable tools when it comes to negotiating, and you have to find that balance between profit and, um, and the competitiveness to, to earn, earn the freight or get the freight. Lastly, I just touch a little bit on some industry trends and stuff. We, we touched on it in the beginning of this episode. We talked a little bit about what's happening in our market. You know, the drivers are feeling the pinch uh, a lot of ways with probably lower miles. Uh, probably some smaller paychecks in some cases, but that, you know, that's the trends. Uh, if you haven't been in trucking very long, maybe you've never seen a dip like this. If you've been doing it for a lot of years, 
then, then more than likely you've seen a few over the course of the years. So it used to kind of really follow almost a seven-year cycle, and we'd see maybe five good years in trucking, and then it'd, it'd fall apart, and we'd see a couple down years. But it always bounces back, and I, and I believe it will again, too. The question in everybody's mind is when. Uh, and that's what we leave up to the experts, the economists in the industry and stuff. And most of them feel like we've, we've certainly hit the bottom. It shouldn't get any worse. And in some cases, I think we're starting to see things maybe pick back up just a little bit. Now, it's not going to be a, a sharp ramp up for sure. You know, sometimes it crashes pretty fast, but the, the rebuild is a little bit slower on that. But I know in our case, uh, talking to some of our sales guys, um, they're 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 mentioning that customers are starting to call them back. All the phone calls they put in, trying to find new customers and new freight for our, our fleet to haul, all of a sudden the customers are starting to return those calls, which is a good sign. It means that means that they're starting to get some more freight in their system. Uh, they want to talk to um, carriers that are available to haul that in their lanes and and stuff. When when they're not looking for carriers, um, those poor guys in sales, they make an awful lot of phone calls every day and every week. And if they don't get hung up on, they just they don't get very far and said, nope, we're not looking. We're not looking. Uh, so I thought it was good news that they're at least starting to have some conversations again with the customers. So once we get through the holidays, maybe things will start ramping back up for all of us. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Driven Too Far. If you're looking for a carrier that can keep your miles strong, check us out at chiefcarriers.com.